0: Hi, my name's Nia Singleton and I'm a woman working in a man's world. The steel industry is overwhelmingly male, only 11% of Tata Steel UK's workforce are women. So I've been on a bit of a mission to seek out and speak to some of those 11%, the women who laid the foundation stones for others like me to walk upon, role models, inspirational figures, high flyers and those who are at the start of their careers. Across this series, they'll be sharing their experiences and how they've been able to make their mark in what has traditionally been a male space. So join me for a conversation with the Women of Steel. Today's guest is Karen Bowman. Karen joined what was then British Steel in 1992 as a logistics graduate after completing her degree in Manufacturing Systems Engineering at the University of Warwick. Working across a number of different departments over the last 29 years, including scheduling and more recently supply chain, Karen is currently working as an integration manager for supply chain fulfillment. It has been quite a career for Karen who has been able to successfully navigate being in a senior management position whilst raising her family. Having been with the company for most of your adult life, what does it feel like to look back over your first few years working in steel? what were your initial observations and how have you seen it change when i look back I, I look back with fondness
1: um always very very supportive so the teams i've worked in have always wanted to support you as an individual especially in your early in your early days it can be quite daunting in those early days for me i i never saw myself as a woman in the steel industry it was more as a young person in an industry and working in departments where a lot of the people were older than my parents that I was working with and I found that daunting as opposed to the fact that I was a woman in this male-dominated environment and I think a lot of that comes from the fact I've got an engineering background so at university very very similar ratio Mm. Um, and for me, I I was just used to that. I didn't really think about it. It was more about coming into an industry where you've got all these people around you with all this experience. How was I going to make a difference? How could I add value to them, given the fact that I was so young, I had
0: so little experience? And for me, that was the bigger challenge. Because that's what I would imagine then, for me, coming into the industry, I was just struck by how very few women there were and I was like, oh my gosh, it's, you know, there's no women around here. But I suppose for you, sort of the educational path you had chosen, you were used to being a minority in, in that respect, you know, alongside your gender. So for you then, you thought that the biggest challenge was coming in and being a young person because we do have a lot of older heads in the organisation I you know we call them lifers don't we you know and and I suppose you are one of them now Karen actually with 29 (laughs) years these three decades you know um, on the books for Tata Steel so that was more daunting for you than sort of looking around and thinking wow these people have been in this industry for so long they know the industry much better than I do so what how did you overcome that then? I think that's a really good question I think it's
1: about respecting that experience yeah. but th- and that's and that's really where i say it. i always felt supported because whenever i went to these people who with all the experience and sort of said explain to me what you do how can i help you know where are your problems your challenges it was always met very positively and for me that that made it a lot easier um but it was really about respecting respecting the knowledge and trying to learn and don't be afraid to ask those what you could perceive as silly questions they're not that they're just for you to educate yourselves and be curious you know you want to understand that that for me is is really the approach I all I've always taken really.
0: Did you ever come across anybody that was sort of didn't want to help you (laughs) or you know has your experience Um, always been mostly positive?
1: Mostly positive positive. It takes me back to a point in probably my very first substantive role where mm. there was a person in the department who was probably known as being quite awkward. Yeah. And um I was actually covering him on his summer holiday and we wanted to make some developments in the role and I I was really worried about him coming back. How was he going to react? <laughs> um but I went ahead and I did it and actually reaction was fantastic. And it was maybe, I don't know, maybe hadn't been challenged before, you know, may, maybe actually wanted to do that, but wasn't capable of doing it. I don't know, but actually it went really well. But yeah, it was still a bit of a roller coaster as I did that piece of work and thought, oh, my God, how are they going to react? You know, am I treading on toes here? So, yeah, there can be difficult um, situations,
0: but I think you manage your way through them and you grow through them as well. Because you quickly rose through sort of the management ranks, didn't you? Not, you know, not long after joining the business and and you're now still a senior manager. How did you find that as a um, a younger woman and indeed now as a woman managing, is it predominantly male teams? I've actually managed both and it's quite an interesting journey in a way. So
1: I started, I say I started three years into my career, I, I moved into scheduling. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, I stayed in scheduling for about eight years in the end. And, and that was really my training ground. And I, I started as a team leader role and then moved up through. So after about five years, I was actually the scheduling manager for Clamwyrn and Portalba. Mm-hmm. And that journey through those five years is really where I built my knowledge, my experience of managing a predominantly male team. Yeah. So when I first went to scheduling, um, I was based in Clam I was the only female in the team. We then merged Clam and put into one department and um, we doubled our numbers. We had two females in the team. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> Actually, during my time in scheduling, uh, we increased the numbers to five females in the team, which was like fantastic at the time. Yeah. We're talking a team of about 30 odd people, something like that. They still, you yeah, know, relatively no, low numbers. Um, so my grounding from a people management point of view was very much in managing men, predominantly. Yeah. Um, I then about about five years after I left scheduling, I, I actually moved into customer service. Totally different population. So customer service is probably more fifty-fifty. Yeah, and the challenges were very different, and it you know that the the issues you're managing are different that they are they're fundamentally different you know that I think the challenges in people's personal life could could be different mm-hmm. um and you learn on the job you just learn on the job and you adapt and all those experiences um, they they lead you to to learn a bit more about how best to manage in these situations and I was going to say you experiment a bit, but you, you try different tactics with different people. You know, everybody's individual, be they male or female. So even something which, you know, in, in my time in scheduling, I might have dealt with the same problem, but I have to deal with it different ways to adapt to the individual I'm dealing with. Yeah,
0: there's no, no one size fits all really with people, is there? No, not at all. Because during this part of your career as well, um, I'm imagining this is when you were also having your children and raising a young family. How did you manage that, that sort of the work home life? Because your career was sort of on a trajectory and you were getting more and more responsibility, bigger teams to manage. And I would imagine your home life is also ramping up, getting busy, you know, having two children. Yeah, so, so that absolutely coincided. So i
1: got my senior management appointment actually whilst i was pregnant with my first child i'd already been doing the role for a little bit um i say a little bit probably 12 months something like that but Mm -hmm. i was actually appointed um and then went on maternity (laughs) leave um i was only off for five months though so um it was very different in those days yeah and um for me i think the, the 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 early days it was actually Easier when they were very small because we had nursery with full time in nursery and things like that. Um, that the challenge really came when the children started school and how you manage. Because certainly, again, it's very different to what it is now. When my son first started school, there were no wraparound clubs, there was no breakfast club, there was no after school club, and myself and my husband were managing it between us with the help of my parents who aren't local but they're not that far away, sort of thing. Um, but in terms of managing it, it is about down to teamwork. Fantastic family support. Um, I've been married for over 25 years now. It's a team effort. It's an absolute team effort. And and we made the decision early on that um, it was my husband who was actually going to go part-time for a, for a few years um, because it was easier for him to get back into his role than for me, um, which probably, I guess, wasn't the norm in, in, in those days. And probably still isn't the norm now but
0: i think it's you, you see it a lot more these days um no, i was gonna say it certainly isn't the norm and it wouldn't have been um you know closer 20 years ago when you were starting you know you when you're having your children and um, mm. how did your family react to that then you know did you have any comeback or kickback from families that are going well karen shouldn't it be you used to dealing with no. the kids
1: so you know no i i'm very lucky, I didn't have any pushback from the family at all. I've always been supported to do whatever I want to do. And the fact that I'm female has never come into that debate. Um so no, i I, I do realize that i'm I'm very lucky, which is probably why i I don't get um hung up or f- feel the need to have female role models or anything like that. Um, to see what's possible because for me that that's it's just never been on my
0: radar really and is that obviously that's the way you're you know raising your children you have a, a daughter and a son don't you yes. so sort of you're encouraging the two of them to sort of to live live that way and you know be supportive of their partners uh, when they choose to and be in the world as their own individual people i suppose and not looking at their gender as a as a limiting factor
1: yeah absolutely. they're they're their own individuals and they go out and do what they want to do you know and we will support that you know if they've got different career paths or a a career path which is traditionally male female it doesn't matter it's about what they want to do
0: now talking about you seem to have come from a really supportive family and you're in a very supportive marriage so that's very secure and then in the workplace you have sort of risen through the ranks and um, you're a senior manager you're managing large teams do you have anybody or has there been anybody on your career journey your career path that you have sort of admired or has been a mentor to you and that you've taken advice from somebody that's sort of helped you along the way yes I've I've never really
1: had um, an official mentor However, if I look back in my career, um, probably in the first five years, um, the supply chain director at the time was was actually a lady called Mary Gervin, mm. and it was just some conversations I have with her, and they st- they still stick in my mind now. And it's it for me, I think one of the biggest challenges I had was to believe in myself mm. and understand that skills can be transferable. Um, I didn't need to know the ins and outs of everything to be able to manage it and that was a huge, huge lesson for me because I think I had this mindset that I had to go in and know how to do everything. And in fact, it was the motivation in a way to, to leave scheduling and, and seek out something different because I'd worked my way right up through scheduling so I could I could actually schedule the lines myself and actually that's not always the right answer you know to de- to develop others you-, you you want to be able to impart that knowledge but not necessarily get to the point where no no I'll do it That yeah. that's not good you know and and that was one of the motivations for me to actually seek out new opportunities to do something different where I hadn't worked my way up through so therefore I didn't understand everything yeah. and and that for me was I-, I guess a bit of a light bulb moment it took me a while to
0: get my head around it yeah. and and really believe it but um yeah do you think that was perhaps that's the engineer in you wanting to understand how things work yes um, yes and the (laughs) fullness of everything because that really is an important lesson isn't it you know for for many of us to learn is that we don't have to be experts in it well we can't possibly be experts in everything um to sort of develop and grow that also is sometimes a a trait that holds women back isn't it that we look at job applications and and think to ourselves oh I can only do 95% of that essential criteria whereas apparently men look at it and go oh wow great I can do 5% of that I will apply
1: Yeah, and I, I think you're spot on with that because certainly if I look at a list of competencies, it'll be I'll will always point out the ones I can't do rather than like you say, the 80, 90 percent I can do. <laughs> and and I still do it today. I think I'm more aware of it and yeah. um hopefully adapt accordingly. But yeah, I think that mentality is still there. Is it the engineering me? I'm sure a lot of my colleagues would um recognise those traits of <laughs> yes, I've
0: got an engineering mind. <laughs> That life build moment now then that certainly changed the way your career was heading and inspired you to look outside of scheduling, but then, how has that made you a better manager? would you say
1: interesting question
0: um I think for me, it's made me more adaptable,
1: so being able to take um experience and knowledge and and apply it in other situations which i I guess Historically, I probably had a mental block that that was even applicable. Yeah. So, so for me, it's definitely made me more adaptable and therefore able to go into a wider set of situations and still be able to handle it. Um, so, really, giving me the the broader view.
0: Yeah. What have you been most proud of um, in your career to date? I think that the fact I'm in mean,
1: supply chain is is a is a discipline I absolutely love. Um, and we're solving problems We're we're changing the way we operate within the business and being part of a team to do that makes me really proud but mm. on a personal note um, I actually had some mental health challenges about five six years ago and being able to come out of that a much stronger person actually for me personally is something that I'm really proud of it took a lot of work self-searching support reading round um but i think for me that's that's probably something that i'm quite proud of
0: rightly so i would say and many of us will suffer with periods of, of um mental illness or and doubting ourselves and it's it's really tough isn't it sometimes to see the woods for the trees when you're in the middle of of an episode did work support you um or was it that you had you know it was just a lot of internal work that you did um work did support me although it was probably um i was going
1: to say the cause but certainly uh, a massive contributing factor and it, it was at the time um I felt the responsibility of everything on my yeah. shoulders, even though it, quite a lot of it was outside of my control. So so actually understanding that difference was was a key to actually solving this. But I, I did do a, a stress control course, which sort of opened my eyes and, and made me reflect and think, well actually, yeah, didn't didn't realise that was linked. And it it was about making those connections and recognizing it in myself um so yeah definitely got support there but the the other thing I did at the time which looking back now is is a huge part of my life now is I actually started to run um I did the coached 5k program and it's certainly something which if someone had said to me you'll be running I'm like no 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 I, I don't run I'm <laughs> you know sport and things like that is something I, I guess I've always avoided in, in a way um but Couch to 5k gave me the opportunity of of realising the power of the mind and quite often um, when you say you can't do something certainly in, in that sort of when you talk about running it's your head telling you can't do it your body can actually do it it's just overriding your brain to say you can do it and for me now running is is not I probably run more now for for my mental health than I do my physical
0: it's it's the balance of both for me it's definitely about both things I think you saw right there because I recently did um, a running challenge and I I continued on at the time I thought I'll never run another step in my life but I found um, I had mental clarity I did feel better in myself mentally for running so there is absolute direct benefits, I think to yeah, running
1: totally agree with that I mean for me I, I did coach the 5k um I then took up a challenge similar to what what you've described so um it was actually a half marathon to do with um I think my, my son was doing it so I've said yeah I'll do it thought I was mad at the time <laughs> but I I trained throughout the winter and I, I did the half marathon which looking back I, even now i'm not quite sure how i did it but <laughs> but i did it but i made the fatal mistake of stopping running once i achieved it um, and um i probably went 3 or 4 months with running very little hmm. and then started to realize hang on this this isn't right so i actually then set myself another goal um to say right I, I want to get i'd done about 10 park runs at this point Yeah. so I, I set myself a goal by the end of the following year i wanted to have completed 50 park runs and i did that during 2019 and for me that got it got me the incentive to run every week and actually running was my savior last year with, yeah. with the pandemic and everything and if anything i, I upped my mileage and but that idea of going out say three times a week and running and it being be in my space and I've settled down now to between five and 10k rather than half marathons I won't go back there again <laughs> didn't enjoy the very very long runs yeah but I'm now re- regularly running anywhere between five and 10k and that for me helps massively it's, it's my space you know get some music in run and and yeah it's fantastic
0: It does because it really does help clear your mind and I suppose working in a senior position but also managing people over the last 18 months must have actually been very tough you know I would imagine because we were all living through this pandemic but all many of us were dealing with it very differently so I would imagine you would have had members of your team happy to be working from home others maybe struggling more so with that did you have to adapt the way you manage over the last eighteen months? not massively but that
1: might be down to the way I was managing my team anyway so I had already introduced walking one-to-ones so if I was doing a a one-to-one with my team I'd actually give my team member the option do you want to go out and we'll do it whilst we're walking and we would literally leave the office and spend 45 minutes talking to each other side by side and I found we had a much, much better quality conversation rather than being sat across the table. Yeah. So we had already done that pre-pandemic and I've actually continued walking one-to-ones um, yeah. during the, the whole time we've been working from home. We just use mobile phones now, <laughs> you know, but the idea yeah. of of actually going out of the house and spending that time talking to the person, you know i think you get a better quality of conversation and so for me no i haven't changed maybe some of the questions i ask are different because obviously you know what is the circumstances at home how you coping are you juggling you know everybody's different they've had different challenges and it's Mm -hmm. about understanding that and actually making sure that you're supporting that person as an individual you know and and it's, it's that rounded conversation then
0: because like, like you say, everybody has managed this pandemic and lockdowns very differently, haven't they? But it's really interesting to hear that you had already, you were moving into this different sort of management style that we're all encouraged to look at now. And I suppose we were forced into it as well with the pandemic. What would you, how would you say your team would describe you? I would like to think they describe
1: me as supportive. Yeah. Um, I definitely try and empower them. And that's something where we've had massive successes in the last sort of year where we've we've really tried to develop an agile way of working. And the guys are quite clear about what needs to be delivered on which timelines and the fact that they're the experts. And, you know, so, yeah, for me, hopefully supportive and, and really wanting to to enable them to to be the best they can possibly
0: be. You've got now still a big stretch of time ahead before you look to or seek to retire. What are your ambitions for the next, you know, 20 years? I think for me, I'm I'm
1: really passionate about how we manage people. And um I mean, one of one of the very near-term ones which I know we're working on as a company is is making the whole health and well-being agenda part of normal day-to-day conversations. So health and safety, you know, the, the health element is as important as the safety. So it's it's very balanced. And certainly coming from an office environment, I think the, the health challenges and the mental health is is probably the bigger challenge when you're in an office environment. I, I appreciate, it. obviously, that's very different if you're out on plant. Um, so that, for me, is, is one of the, the big areas that I'd like to develop and, and really becoming absolutely professional in the way we we handle the people issues the way we train people the the way we develop people I'm not sure if that makes sense
0: that absolutely does make sense that's fab so if you were then to speak or, or to go back in a time machine um, and meet 18 year old Karen what were word, words of advice would you give to her I
1: think for me there are there are two things um to have confidence in your capabilities and the message which we've already discussed is understanding that skills are transferable because for me that that's a huge unlocking of of a lot of potential mind blocks if you like so I think those those two I, I would add a third one as well is um be curious and sort of experiment and in a way I th- I think I've done that I certainly did it when I When I first went to university, I didn't know I was going to do manufacturing systems engineering. I knew I wanted to do engineering, but I had no idea of what discipline I wanted to do. Mm. And it was only the fact that I, I selected, I I discovered there were about 10 universities in the country at the time who did a general engineering first year. And I thought, oh, that's perfect for me because I can go and try a little bit of all of it Mm. and then decide where I wanted to go. And and that's what I did. And that's when I, yeah, you know, I I probably wouldn't have selected manufacturing systems and that's by doing that, that's what actually got me into planning and scheduling and supply chain, because it was about how you manage your production processes. So it's that experimenting and, and being curious and understanding and,
0: and, and allowing that to, to develop your path, I guess. I think that's really good advice, isn't it? Because sometimes I, I think we're encouraged to be quite rigid in our choices, particularly, you know, the way that the education system is set up. But how can you possibly know at 18 really what you know what you want out of the rest of your life? Because a career is, is a long it's a long time before we're able to retire. So yeah, I think to be curious is a wonderful quality really, isn't it? Yeah. Cause certainly, I mean
1: Supply chain management was in its infancy back in those days anyway, but it probably ne- never even came on my radar as a potential career or anything like that. And yet in my working life, the vast majority of my time, I've either been in supply chain or working
0: very closely with supply chain. Well, thank you so much for your time today and being so open and honest. It's been wonderful to speak to you and find out more about your career and your thoughts around what it's been like to be a woman you know in the steel industry because I'm sure you've seen a lot of change over the last three decades and we've still a way to go but even you talking about um, your mental health struggles and how that has framed and changed you I think is, um, is so current at the moment isn't it as so many of us will have struggled over the pandemic and it, it's really been difficult for many of us to sort of see so it's it's Great to hear then that we have senior managers who are looking at the health and well-being aspect of, of health and safety and that the company is pushing that forward as an agenda. So it's been fantastic to speak to you. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Nia. It's been a pleasure. Wow, what a woman. With a career spanning three decades, Karen has overcome some tough work and personal challenges over the years, but has managed to successfully navigate a varied and a senior career in steel. Like she says, she always strives to be curious. She's not afraid to ask for help, and I think those are really good qualities in in an individual, but also in a leader. She really strikes me as an empathetic leader. Certainly, somebody who sees the well being advantage of being active. So I mean, so much so she introduced walking one to ones for her team. But she also seem to understand the importance of supporting your team as individuals. And that has never been more important than now as we navigate this pandemic and are looking to come out of the other side. So thank you for your time, Karen. It truly was a pleasure to chat to you.